Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 600 of Longbox Heroes, the Lamborghini of comic book podcasts. I'm Todd, along with Joe. Joe, you ready for a 600 extravaganzas today? May not actually be an extravaganza. Well, I would say this is the 600th in a row extravaganza because every single one of our episodes are an extravaganza upon themselves. Right, and it's sad, what, that 600 is two shows in a row without a break? Right. (laughs) Got that streak going, Joe. And how, like, the times that we had, you know, we had the technical issues a couple weeks ago, you had the cardiac issues a couple years ago. Right. Um... The one week between the old iteration and the new regeneration. Right, right. Um, I don't know. 600 episodes. You know, we're doing pretty good. I think we're doing pretty good. I mean, I'm having fun. I don't know about you. Right, and that's the most important thing. We're having fun. Right, and in case we ever do end it, I know how I'm going to do the sign-off. So oh, whenever you do? You want, yeah, I'm not going to give it away here, but I know what I'm going to say. So Okay. So let's not worry about the last episode ever. <laughs> I have a feeling I have a feeling when the last episode comes, neither one of us will know it's our last episode. <laughs> yeah. You know, it'll be like, well, Joe was hit by a bus or Todd's heart exploded. Yeah, you know, whatever. And like, oh, if only I got to say my clever line before my heart exploded. Or well, you know, I'm gonna just I'm gonna just know Joe yelled out your clever line as the bus was running him over. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm just going to leave it on a flash drive for you in case I die. Right. Well, I'll have it in an envelope in your uh, shirt pocket at all times. <laughs> That's right. And yep. it just says for Joe on it. <laughs> right. He'll know what it's regarding. It just right. says on the envelope. Right. But uh, now, would you like to know what's on the show? Again? I would like to know what we're going to discuss on this 600th spectacular. Uh, stupendous extravaganza of a podcast. <laughs> There's that word again. But uh, so in news, a substacked opportunity. Hmm. Um, donuts were a good idea. Now they're the opposite. When did San Diego Comic-Con become a business? We'll answer that. Um, also, we'll mention conventions, hopefully. Um, what we read last week, Astro City, that was then. And Dark Ages, number six. What we're looking forward to this week, Todd and Joe have issues with the uh, the silver standard of rogues galleries. <clears throat> Todd's art attack. I believe, Joe, if I'm correct, we have someone giving us a review of Morbius. Yes, yes. Oh. We have a special uh, uh, third-party uh, non-biased review of a movie neither one of us saw. There you go. And then finally, spoiler-filled talk of the first episode of Moon Knight. Did they do the origin or not? Find out. From the dozens of direct messages, (laughs) tweets, and text messages that I received, uh, I'm going to say they didn't. Um, I just saw them, a few linking to uh, the Longbox account, but uh, yeah, so. I got texts from people I haven't heard from in months. (laughs) That just texted me and said they didn't do the origin right. And I knew exactly what they were talking about. You know what? That's got so much mileage. It's so ridiculous. Yes. All right. So uh, let's get into news, as Todd mentioned. And one of Todd's biggest fears has come uh, true. James Tinian has announced that as part of his Substack, uh, if you're at one of the higher end paid uh, levels, 
I think it's called the Onion Club or something, mm-hmm. uh, you have a chance to get a special variant of his Sandman Universe Nightmare Country book that you could only get through the Substack. Right. And I know Todd's more upset that he can't get it because he's not a member of the Substack, but even more upset because it's a gold foil cover. Yes, that's what was keeping me, you know, awake at night and will from here on out. No, I, good for him. If if James Tinney can make cabbage, you know, doing that, whatever. I'm worried for the cover that I want someday. Right. Um, but there's not too many that I do want. I could see like Tom King doing uh, a human target substack one. And then I'm then I'm in the, you know, in the weeds. But as long as they just stick to, you know, the Sandman universe, which is not actual Neil Gaiman. If it was maybe Neil Gaiman writing it, then I would be upset. And they could do that in all the Azrael covers they want. I'm good. But don't do anything like Jonah Hex or Justice League International. So, I, you know, with just a little bit more clarity in regards to this. But before we get to that, I'm not surprised that this is happening. I'm surprised that it's happening with a DC book. I'm not because DC was was one of the companies that was giving away exclusive covers to to, to various comic shops. Mm-hmm. So why not do it to the writer that you want to keep happy so he don't leave your company? Right. Because, again, if this was an indie book or one of his books at Boom or whatever it is, no problem. I I just figured there'd be a lot more hoops that he would have to jump through if it was a Marvel book, a DC book. Uh, but you make a great point. He has an exclusive with them, but he is also able to do his Substack stuff. They want to keep him happy. Right. Because he would like when he left Batman, he was pretty much done with DC. So I could imagine they maybe dangled that in front of him. Like right. so either he brought up the idea or they did, but it was like, it was like to get me to stay. I want this. I want to be able to sell these covers that all goes in my pocket. Or they were like, hey, why don't you stay? And, you know, this is how you can make more money, whatever. But I don't think it was, you know, it, it is what it is. Like I said, because, like, I'm trying to think of, like, the uh, the Detective Comics 1000. Like, you could have, however you do it, uh, put in for to get your own cover. And a lot of big comic shops did it. So I've seen it before. And I think it's going to become more prevalent with mm-hmm. the companies now. With the, with the big two, at least. So I will say this, you know, just to give you a little clarity of how it's all going to go. Yeah, um, there, No, it's okay. So they're releasing 1,500 copies of the cover. Uh, 500 are going on sale to people who are part of a Substack. Mm-hmm. Another 500 are going to anyone who's a paid subscriber to the newsletter. You're just getting it right off the rip. Okay. Uh, another 500 are being put aside and offered to retailers who can order them at wholesale prices starting at a minimum of 10 but if you do over 50 they'll give you more of a, a, a more of a deal of only the rest, five, okay go ahead okay. sorry right so the rest are and it just says the remainder we don't know how many more over the 1500 that are being released for sale the remainder are being ca- being held to give to the creators and to keep on on hand in case they need to be uh, used to replace damaged copies. Oh, which is like is unbelievably to, smart. This is starting to sound like uh, wedding micro brawlers, Joe. <laughs> but I will also say this: it's only twenty bucks. Mm-hmm. So that's not crazy. 
No, it's not. And that's what the gold, I think the gold foil, like, because I bought them for gifts for people at various conventions, which were like exclusives to that convention. Like there was like a gold or a silver foil Catwoman. So Becky asked me to get her one or I'm trying to think who else. Oh, there was a definitely, there was a Sandman, uh, a Sandman one years ago that was Neil Gaiman wrote for a one shot. And I was like, all right, I'm grabbing that kind of a deal. So that's a, about the ballpark of what they go for. Right. So I will say this, um, you know, and I think we discussed the plans previously. Um, James Tinney and $7 a month, um, $75 for the year, which gives you a little bit of a cut, or there's the quote unquote onion club, which is $250 a year. And if you're that level, that's what gets it to you. That's what gets you the cover at no cost. Right. If you're the $7 level, the $75 for the year, or just a regular person, you have the opportunity to buy it for 20 bucks. Right. So now people, now uh, flippers are going to have to do the math to figure out what the optimum price for them on eBay are going to be. Right. But I, we'll I don't see, that'll be something interesting to keep an eye on going forward. Once those all start rolling out, what retail like what retailers are going to order them what retailers who order them are going to sell them for what retailers are going to get them because what retailers are going to get them is another story and then i think they say that part of what the deal with substack is is they get to handle they have an infrastructure in place that handles like any sort of shipping or replacements of damaged stuff and you know that sort of thing. So that's something that's out of your hand. You're not just letting your schmo buddy in an apartment in New Jersey handle it, you know? Right. It feels as though it might be handled and run by a competent group of professionals. <laughs> we shall see. Right. But it makes me want to do our exclusive, like whatever comic we can find a long box heroes cover, you know, someday that's one of my goals that and the blurb on the back of a trade, but uh, blurb in the back of the trade uh, is something yeah, I don't know it's, how to do that. Right, but it's I think it's more possible than getting like than like us, you know, financing our own variant cover to whatever issue of whatever. Well, you know, and we'll save that for the end of the show, but that'll be something to discuss maybe in the next week or two. Okay. Um, so a <laughs> uh, lot of convention news, I guess. Um so as we've discussed many times in the past, of course, regarding conventions, we always try to remember to plug conventions being that the world is open back up. But word just came out that uh, San Diego Comic-Con, which strangely is only two conventions, essentially, it's San Diego and WonderCon and WonderCon was just this past weekend. Right. Um, that they are looking to expand the San Diego, quote unquote, Comic-Con brand. Mm hmm. Now, there's already read pop out there that is a bunch of the big guns, your C2E2s, your New York Comic Con, your Emerald Cities, etc. Fan Expo, uh, which was a big one, kind of was like, it seemed like there was a lot, they did a lot in Texas and they did a lot in Canada. But, and they're the ones that absorbed all the wizard cons. Right, and they're the ones that absorbed all the wizard ones. I would think that that may have been the impetus for San Diego to say like, Hey, like we have two feet prints in, in the world of Comic-Con. Granted, one of them is literally the biggest footprint of them all. Right. But I think a, sooner or later, all these little footprints are going to start stepping on our one big footprint and our second 
footprint that's pretty big too. I totally agree with you. And I think they're like, and if the, all these companies that don't have the prestige that our name carries, cause like they have something tread trademarked with cons like comic con or whatever. Um, that why, why can't we run the territories like they do? You know what I mean? And let's do that and try to s- snuff some of these out if we can, or at least take some of the thunder out of them. So one of them doesn't rise up, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. become the biggest in the nation because they pick someplace in the, in the country that has a bigger convention center because San Diego's always trying to add on and go up and the jab that's got bigger and blah, blah, blah. So I don't know. I, I think they're going to, they're going to fight them sells off like they're going to beat themselves up but i like it because expo looks like a good con a good comic con and you know like we like our shows like baltimore and i like terrific con and blah 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 but i i don't know how much how much saturation you could do before the bottom falls out you know what i mean well it, it's gonna hopefully get to a point where you have your three major companies that are doing what they are the San Diego folks, the Reed Pop folks, and the Fan Expo folks, and then you still get to see like your Heroes Cons, your Baltimores, and stuff stay out of it. So that right. at least so, it gives you that option. But what I mean is, I remember in the in the day when they, when New York was running two cons at the same time. Yeah, like I'm wondering if that's going to happen. It's like it's going to be because it, it's like now, are you going to do it between uh, Fan Expo, Reed Pop, and? and uh san diego like now you're all gonna have to like oh we're gonna have to take the northeast they're gonna take the the the, the southeast we're gonna take the north uh the, the southwest and the northwest like you can't be running there's not enough talent i don't think to like go to all these shows at the exact same weekend you know what i mean so I there is but uh because you mentioned the new york ones it was recently and i say recently within the last like three or four years uh, there was New York Comic Con and Big Apple Comic Con were the same weekend. Right. And there was a lot of guests at both. There was a lot of guests that like split their time between the two conventions. Where the issue is going to come in is, is where you're going to start seeing a Reed Pop, a Fan Expo San Diego start signing exclusives. Yep. And again, you and I go to conventions for completely different reasons that a lot of other people do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of the a lot of the hook, and we do talk about that when we talk about the conventions, is those media guests, right? Right. The celebrities. And I don't sit there and I don't read every media guest that's there. I read the media guests that I think interest me, interest Todd, or I think are funny. Right. Okay. Right. Whereas you get san diego or you get or you or you get read pop or you get fan expo or whatever it is and they get jim lee mm-hmm. and the you want a jim lee thing and we cut a deal with jim lee where we're gonna pay him x and that yep. x above his rate we're not only for this year or we've signed him to a three-year deal or a five-year deal or whatever it is that if he's doing a convention it's only a read pop convention and because we're paying him so much he could charge a little bit less than what he normally charges Right, because or he could charge more front end cut. Right, or he could charge what he wants and nobody will know. Right, like however he wants to deal. I get what you're saying. So I My think th- once that starts happening, once mm-hmm. you start seeing these arms of these conventions start signing big name creators to exclusives to their conventions, that's where you're going to see the problems come in. Because you know you, we talk about like the old territory days. There's enough people out there. Like Fan Expo is very heavy on 
media guests, celebrities, etc. So they can go head to head with New York Comic Con, who is they, they'll get their whatevers, they'll get their media guests, but they're going to do more high end creators. But I've been noticing that Fan Expo has been doing a lot more high end creators. Right. Yep. Um, and the thing with New York is New York's always going to get <clears throat> and San Diego are going to get those like Marvel Studios guests. Mm-hmm. And that's where the like there's no way if if New York is running, if the, C2E2 is running the New York Comic Con on a day and Fan Expo is running Canada or whatever city and they're like, oh, uh, well, we're going to have all the cast of Avengers at the New York Comic Con. Who are you getting? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you might get some like Doctor Who's and stuff like that or, or Walking Dead characters, but you're going to have the meat, you know, at the thing. What The one thing that I do like about all this that I could see com- coming good is and has been looking at Jimmy Palmiotti's Twitter of him being in Europe doing cons. Yes. Which Mike McCone talked to me. He's like, and I always said, he's like, I don't do uh, a lot of the American cons because they don't know how to treat people. He goes, like, in, in Europe, like, they have an omelet station in the in the room for the comic creators, not just the, you know, the, the, the media guests. guests. Right. And everything. And they have this and they have that. He goes, you go to, like, some of these cons in America and you're lucky if you get, you know, a bottled water. Like, or they'll have somebody watch your table while you have to get up and go to the bathroom. Like, those are your perks. Yeah. You know I mean? But, like, looking at Jimmy Palmiotti's like, look at this spread that they have, the food, the buffet. I'm like, now you start treating your creators a little bit better. And they're like, oh, what con am I going to go to? The one where I have to use the bathrooms with the unwashed masses <laughs> or the one that I'm going to go to that they have the catered green room, you know? Right. like. So hopefully like the standard for the creators will go up. So just to end back around to what you had mentioned before with San Diego. So they have comic hyphen con trademarked mm-hmm. but you can call your thing a comic convention mm-hmm. you can call your thing a comic con altogether as one word but you cannot unless you're san diego or WonderCon, call your thing whatever a comic hyphen con right and i know that they own Right. I've seen a lot of like terrific con is one word. Yes. And, you know, and I didn't, don't know what Baltimore comic con is doing. You know what I mean? Like, but yeah, now that, now that I'm going to keep an eye out for that even more. Cause I, I, I never understood it. Uh huh. And last but not least, and this is going to roll into, there's been a ton of convention talk and there's going to be even more. Uh, but this weekend at uh, South Carolina con SC comic, Con altogether is one word. No hyphen. Uh, the, no hyphen. <laughs> was that no hyphen? Easy. No orders. hyphen. The good folks? Question mark. <laughs> at Bad Idea Comics are going to be rolling out a new comic, sure, but they're also going to be rolling out donuts because sure. the company's not Bad Idea Comics; it's now Bad Idea Donuts. Yes. And it's a tw- it's twenty dollars gets you a comic book and a box of donuts. Okay. Um, and no, go ahead. I, I get them trying to do things, uh, trying to get something to get like people talking about them, but mm-hmm. very rarely do people talk about these bad idea ideas and say that was a good idea. Yes, that's one of the things like I, like all the stuff that I hear about bad idea, nobody's ever talking about the quality of their projects. Nobody. 
it's always the stunts and the things like this and uh, all the create the, the 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 crazy things like they put out. Um, they claim to have created the perfect donut, a donut twice as tasty as any other, twice the taste per bite of any previous known donut. It literally tastes like you're eating two donuts at the same time. That's their press release. That's what they're doing. And there's a, a, a exclusive comic. Um, what are you going to remember? Do you know what I mean? Like, are, you're not going to remember. Like, I don't even remember the name of the book. It's all this donut talk. And then the sad thing is, whatever they do is going to be exclusive for this one show because they know what they're doing. They're, they're king of the FOMO or whatever it's called. And that book is going to be worth a ton of money because of what it did. And because, and they're going to give donuts away. And on top of that, I want to get it on the game, Joe. I've had a new opportunity. I think we're going to start a CGC, the confection grading company. You come to me with your donut, I'll grate it, I'll slab it, and I'll give it back to you. That's how ridiculous this stuff is. And you make a great point. People are talking about them as a company. I don't know if people are buying their books or talking about their books. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I I get all these things are cute and funny and whatever, but Mm. I don't know. Side note at the comic shop. Uh, workers and employees were talking about a bad idea book. Somebody was buying something or whatever, and the bad idea books came up, and they're like, oh, like, first of all, I don't know if you know this, bad idea closed, and now it's the donut company. So, you know, like the hoops that the retailers had to run through, like they had all those rules, like you can't resell them at a a greater value if you buy uh, issue, if you buy 10 issues of issue one, that's as many as you have to buy two, three, and four. There's all these rules. And isn't there like a rule, like you, you, like people can't come in and buy multiple copies copies of the same issue or something yes all that stuff and then they'd have to adhere to those rules you can't sell them on ebay for like a month after they come out whatever so then and you have to apply and they have to green light you and say you can go well when they when this bad idea stuff happened and they closed they said all counts closed you have to reapply with us so they're making retailers jump through more hoops to buy their products like retailers don't have enough to do in the course of a day so they have to do that and then it's like like uh, our retailer was talking he's like yeah he's like and then we had these people who not the customers who shop in the shop who have weekly pool lists and everything it was all these like like dorks coming around who were like oh i can't get the bad idea books anywhere else so they came there and they're like oh i want to order them i want one and they'd come in and buy one and two now our retailer has to buy like he's got pre-orders for 20 copies for one. He's got to buy 20 of four. And then they're realizing they can't flip these books because nobody cares. And they're not coming in for three and four that, you know, that the retailer order. It's, it's like all this like talk and all this like, uh, like buzz that they get. It's not, it's not worth it, man. I know that's my opinion. I'm going off on a tirade for the 600th episode show, but it just, it just, it just gets me upset, you know? Yeah, I get you. And it's, I think I would be more upset if there was a project there that I was reading. And there, there was a Mark Russell project going there. And I was like, I don't even want to figure out how I get that book. Yeah. I was like, I, yeah, if he is, I don't know. I'm done. I'm off my, my soapbox, Joe. Right. Well, uh, if you are so inclined and you are going to be at South Carolina Comic Con this weekend in Greenville, South Carolina, you can go and attempt the Bad Idea Donut Opportunity, <laughs> uh, or you can meet dozens of other folks that are going to be there. Jerry Conway, Mike Grell, Terry Moore, 
Uh, Robert Venditti, who I think is one of the bad idea folks. Yep, he's one of them pushing it. Yep. Uh, media guest folks. Uh, John Ratzenberger is going to be there. Ooh. Uh, Sylvester McCoy, whoever that is. That was the seventh doctor. You put some respect on it, Sposto. Was was he the one that fought? Um, uh, uh, what's Eric, his name? Eric uh, Roberts. Yeah, Eric Roberts. Okay, now because you asked, he was in that movie as the doctor at the beginning, and then when he landed in San Francisco, he got killed by some gangbangers and regenerated into the eighth doctor. So yeah. he was there for Eric Roberts, but he didn't fight Eric Roberts. Gotcha. And in from the world of sports and entertainment, Todd, hunker down. Oh, okay. Uh, Matt Hardy's going to be there. Mm-hmm. Uh, FTR, Hair and FTR Bald are both going to be there. Okay. Uh, Tony Schiavone, who's going to be there, who's actually a big comic book guy. I know that name. Yep. Uh, Arn Anderson and his adult son, Brock Anderson, are going to be there. Mm-hmm. And if Rick Steiner can escape from being kidnapped on NXT Two Point Glow tonight, he and Scott Steiner, his brother, will also be there. Not the Batman writer, right? And he's the one who wears the helmet, right? The chainmail headdress. But yes, no. There's one. There's one that wears the chainmail headdress, and does right. the other brother wear a bicycle helmet? He wears earmuffs. Okay, yeah. Uh, think, yes. But there's a bunch of other conventions, like I said, if you're looking for more uh, comic-related stuff, uh, there's the Wicked Comic-Con in Boston, Massachusetts. That's my attempt at a Boston accent. Uh, Simon Bisley, Glenn Fabry, Larry Hama, Ron Mars, Amy Reeder, Tom Riley, amongst many, many others. Right. Um, If anybody's there and wants to get me a Sane of Killers by Glenn Fabry, um, do it up. We'll talk. We have New England listeners, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, Grand Rapids Comic Con, Grand Rapids, Michigan, uh, Rags Morales, Brett Breeding, Freddie Williams III, uh, Steel City Con, which I think is less a Comic Con these days and more just like a media whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, Sting and his uh, son Darby Allen are going to be there. Right. So maybe Skinny Jeans will be heading there. <laughs> right. Uh, Robert England and Heather Langenkamp are going to be there. Who's Heather Langenkamp? She's Nancy from the Nightmare on Elm Street movies. Oh, okay. That'd be the Mark picture to get. That's my uh, my red letter Mark picture of the weekend. Right. Um, and, like, I think most of the cast of the Vacation movies are going to be there, but I was gobsmacked to see Chevy Chase is doing a signing convention appearance. Right, he's going to do all those, uh, what was the name of the TV show that he did, that he got fired from? Community? Community, yeah, he'll sign community DVDs. Notorious, fun-loving, people-loving person, Chevy Chase. Mm. If you're a Chevy Chase fan, I have a feeling you want to get your Mark picture with him. This is going to be your only weekend, and I'd maybe get there on Friday. <laughs> like That is true. I and... call it a hunch, I don't know. And don't wear, wear certain religious necklaces. Oh, boy. But the biggie this weekend is Fan Expo Philly. Uh, you know, we talked before, when we were talking about the conventions, how Fan Expo picked up Wizards. So they're kind of like this weird conglomeration of what the Wizard conventions used to be and what Fan Expo conventions are going to be. Um, you know, media guests will hit it right up front. 
uh, David Tennant, William Shatner, Carl Weathers, Michael Rooker. The cast of Clerks 3 is going to be there. So we have to take our Navy SEALs opportunity to another convention this weekend. Mm -hmm. But then on the comic book guest list, Frank Miller, Mark Silvestri, who like never does conventions. Greg Capullo, Donnie Cates, Ryan Stegman, Frank Cho. uh, Kevin McGuire is going to be in Philadelphia this weekend, Todd. I might go have to go get some artwork off him. (laughs) Dan DiDio is going to be there. The great Dan DiDio. Who, right. like, isn't involved in anything in comics, but he's like, oh, I'm going to Philly. Gonna he, hang out. He, Gonna go to the go to the terminal market. He's just waiting for the time lapse on the uh, the non-disclosure contract to run out. That's oh, all. my goodness. And uh, Jose Luis Garcia Lopez is going to be there as well. Right. And I have to say, I tried to wrangle so many people to go to this con, and they all had things going on. So- we were actually going to be in Philly this weekend, uh, going to the Franklin Institute. But uh, someone messaged, not me, that we have a birthday party to go to, and that person forgot about it after we made all these plans. Shocking. Joe, why would you forget about that? Um, I but, but no, um, I was supposed to, uh, our good buddy DJ, I tried to get him to go, but he had concert stuff to do. And then David Tennant is there, so I asked the fancy gentleman if he wanted to go, because that's one of the doctors we haven't had our photo taken with yet. And he's like, let me check my schedule. He was like, you know, cause it was too, by the time I found out it was too close. And he's like, uh, too many people took off that weekend. So I can't go. I was like, all right. I asked Josh. He's like, I'm out. I'm like, I'm not driving out of Philly alone to do, oh, to like, to do Philly a is a, Philly is a nice, easy peasy two hour drive. And Hey, we're saying it on the podcast listeners in the greater Northeastern Pennsylvania area or already in Philly. Do you want to meet Todd this weekend? <laughs> <laughs> I um I I do have to put the caveat. Please don't kill him. Oh, that's right. It's attention uh, deficit criminal territory. Right. You're um, in the. You're like I think the like you're literally like a five minute drive from where like the heart of the attention deficit criminals were born. Right. Um. The reason I don't go is I did it once, like on my own. Is one, I don't like driving anywhere. That's that's regardless. But two is that truck that I have. You've you've seen it. uh, Like a lot of places to get near the convention center. Like you have to go into those parking garages. Yeah. I'm like a high truck, a wide truck, a long truck. It's the it's the four door cab. Blah blah blah. Um, I, I'm like, I don't want to be driving up. I'm afraid of scra- like hitting the roof and, or when I'm parking the, uh, the, the back end, I almost said something else <laughs> sticking way out. You know what I mean? So, so uh, I'll, I'll say this to you, Todd, and this is something for our listeners as well. Um, you may want to double check, but about two weeks ago, I saw that most rental car companies had not updated their agreements. Mm-hmm. Wherein if you returned your rental car not full of gas, right. they would charge you $3 a gallon for gas to fill it back up. That's cheaper than actually buying the gas. Now, I'm going to guess maybe within the last two to three weeks, they may have updated their agreements in a lot of places. Right. To be like whatever the gas price is. But people were like tweeting out contracts that it says like $3. Like, I'm like I'm bringing that thing bone dry back, you know, good luck. <laughs> That's coasting into the lodge. <laughs> Wherever it beaches, here's the paperwork. Sayonara. 
Right, but just and that's this is just one, two, three, four, five conventions going on. Most of them in the northeast, like on the east coast. Right, and there's a variety of guests. So if the big convention territory war happens, I think it's going to be okay. Yeah, okay. Uh, so all the links to all of these conventions will be in the show notes, uh, along with uh, soon to be named network at soon to be named network.com, soon to be named network.tumblr.com. Anytime any of the shows go live, uh, or any of the folks from those shows go on other shows and they let me know they're on those other shows. <laughs> You'll find them all over at soon to be named network.com, whether it be this show that you're listening to, Longbox Heroes, Longbox Heroes After Dark, which is kind of, I guess, Todd's audition to be on At Odds with Wrestling. I'm not really sure. I, I guess, and I don't know. Was there a porch talk? I'm the last to know anymore. No, no. Porch talk is a thing. Uh, we need wrestling is a thing. Wings on Wings is a thing. Um, Puzzle Warriors 3, Profane Arguments. I know hit my music on, on a little bit of a hiatus, but as one door closes, another one opens, as Final Wrestling Place returned this weekend as well. Them, the boys, Tim and Marcus, uh, talking about the all the WrestleManias starting from the very beginning, and they changed all their social media presence just in case they decide to branch out and do other podcasts. And Tim put Marcus on the spot about the Helmet podcast. And what was his answer? Lots of him and lots of Han. You know he wants to. He's just afraid he's going to be overshadowed by my, <laughs> my what I am, Joe. That's all it is. Well, listen, if he's by some chance is at a brewery in the next uh, four weeks, mm-hmm. I'm going to get you two together again. I'm going to put a microphone in front of the both of you, and I'm going to put you both on the spot. I'm going to bring some helmet flashcards. Okay. And while wherever he's sitting or doing whatever he's doing, I'm just going to hold up two cards and ask <laughs> yes. him to point to him. <laughs> point uh, to the better one. So also in the show notes, be sure to check out our friends and all their projects that they do. Uh, Kevin Hellion's Mass Library website where he does reviews of comic books, a little bit more indie stuff. He also looks into more of the stuff that's being kickstarted. Rick Williams, The Chop Shop at freekaratechops.storeenvy.com with all those cool resin and glow-in-the-dark sci-fi fantasy and wrestling figures that he does. Mike Sterling's Progressive Rune blog that's been going for nearly 15-plus years. Uh, I don't want to say that it was an influence on a lot of the stuff that I do and wanted to do on the, on the site, but there we go. Uh, Rick, uh, Jason Sandberg's Jupiter, Chris Runt's Battle Monsters, listeners to the show that have put out their own self-published comics. You can contact them directly with the links in the show notes to purchase those books digitally. And I'm sure if you ask nicely, they might even have a couple physical copies around if that's your deal. Uh, you could also check out our comic book shop, Comics on the Green. If you don't have a comic book shop in your area or you don't have a good comic book shop in your area, let our shop be your shop. They do a fantastic mail order subscription service. You could choose weekly, every two weeks, monthly, but that just means you're actually getting your books because, you know, you got to pay in advance for those sort of things. But the bonus of that is there's a very good chance that you might get a sketch or a doodle or some art from our good friend Becky, who I'm going to have a talk with on Wednesday in regards to professional wrestler New Jack because she tweeted Um, about it. So uh, you can check out her social media for all of her process and sketches and commissions and so forth. Yes. And I had a little talk with her and she's going to ask you about some, or you're going to have to bring up some famous ribs in the locker room. (laughs) We'll make sure there's nobody in the shop when I tell one of my favorites. 
Um, is it the one about, hey, look and see if he's coming? Yep. That's the one I told her to ask you about. <laughs> oh, such a fun story to tell. But comics, everyone. Uh, let's get into what we read from this past week. Todd, I'm going to ask you to start um, with Dark Ages number six, because I know for sure we both read it. Right. Um, written by Tom Taylor, uh, art by Ivan Colio. I'm hoping that's how you say it. I ran through it fast. Um, basically, this is the climax to the story. Um, it's the hero's plan to take down uh, Apocalypse and all the people that are possessed by the Purple Man. Um, so they're on their way. You know, they, they split into groups um, along the way. Uh, Moon Girl and, and Dr. Doom have a little chat. We're not sure what they're up to, but it's always interesting when Dr. Doom's making plans off on the side. So um, we cut to the Apocalypse and his group. They need, to whatever it is to make the plan work, they need some adamantium. So naturally you know what your source of adamantium is in the Marvel Universe. Um, and the plan that's going to happen, uh, Doc Ock ends up realizing that it may not be like you know good for the rest of the Marvel Universe. So he questions them. Um, does not go well for Doc Ock because you know he's part of a terrible rogues gallery. Um, he goes on. Uh, Apocalypse is like, hey, let's do this plan. The heroes end up doing what they do. Uh, show up to try and stop them. Uh, that. They're like, okay, this is our plan, but maybe somebody else had a different plan, and it doesn't go quite like the heroes thought it would. Um, it was interesting. Um, it was a, it was an ending. It was a, it was kind of a, a weird ending because I wonder if we'll see more Dark Ages because they didn't seem to leave any plot lines like dangling or anything. But I think we can do more. Um, I like this. I thought it was a fun what if story, Elseworlds, whatever you want to call them. Um, I'm I'm a Tom Taylor guy, and I I really enjoyed it. So I enjoyed this too. Um, I enjoy like all the little fun takes and, you know, maybe you have an idea about a character in a, in a story like this that is a what if type thing. And, you know, we talked months ago when this first came out, the fact that this was not branded as a what if book and they, while they were branding other books as what if books and then did a whole bunch of what if things because of the success of the Disney plus show um, is a crime. I think this book probably would have did more, uh, sold better, maybe more people have been talking about it if they called it What If. Right. Uh, but, like, when you have an idea, it's like, oh, what if all the Carnage and Venom symbiotes all bonded together and they were on Miles Morales? Uh, you know, what if uh, Peter and Mary Jane's kid was still alive? And, you know, all these little things like that that you could do in a book like this. And I would say the thing that I liked the most about the end of the book is the thing that I didn't like the most, which is the fact that um, they left it open-ended that there's more stories to be told. Which means maybe we might get a sequel. Maybe this book sold enough that it would necessitate a sequel or maybe even just like a one-shot or something afterwards. Um, but I would have liked a more conclusive ending. Like the villains are defeated and the heroes just kind of like walk off into the sunset. But I don't, like it didn't feel like a win. Right. It was, it was very quick. Yeah. Right at the end. It's like, here, like unleash the plan that you guys didn't know about. And then boom, we're here. And it's like, now where does everybody go? I guess they go back to like place one where everybody was at the beginning. If that makes any sense. I don't know. Yeah. I get what you're saying, but, but it was still we'll, good. You know, I'm sure like if you read the whole thing collected, it'll be a fun little read and you know, 
purchase it and maybe they'll make more because I really liked it. Right, unless uh, DC scoops up an exclusive with Tom Jim. <laughs> now, did you read uh, Astro City that was then? Yes, I did. Okay, perfect. Written by Kurt Busiek with art by Brent Anderson. Uh, this is the first new Astro City book in nearly four years. Uh, mm-hmm. Not saga numbers, but it doesn't feel like it's been gone that long, you know? It does for me because I wasn't reading it when it was back. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's, but go ahead. So, you know, we'll get into the story and then we'll get to all the stuff that was in the back of the book here as well. Yep. Um, the crux of this is teen heroes. You have a, t- uh, a teen Titans analog, uh, which is thrust together because they were there mourning the deaths of the previous teen heroes. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot. And this is where a lot of Kurt Busiek's Astro City stuff comes from. There's very little superheroine and villainy going on. And there's a lot of interplay between these characters going on. And I miss that so much. Mm-hmm. Um, and these were all new, if not relatively new characters until the very end where Samaritan shows up, who's like the Superman analog. Right. Uh, but, you know, these characters are close enough to Teen Titans-esque characters. The group is called the Jayhawks or something. Right, because they're like from where that ba- that basketball area is. But go ahead. Right, uh, Kansas, I guess. Yes. Yep. Um, and it's just kind of them, the group, you know, discussing and attempting to deal with their own mortality and growing apart. And you know, how, like there's a member of the team who's like a robot, and mm-hmm. like he can't grow up. You know, he's just a teen robot. So it's a lot of great concepts. We talked before about uh, what Tom Taylor gets to do with pre-existing characters um, like, uh, you know, your Spider-Man, your Wolverines, your people like that in the Marvel Universe. And a lot of times people like to play in that sandbox, if you will. But, you know, you see Samaritan from Astro City and you're just like, well, that's Superman. And it is, but it's changed enough that it's not Superman. Yeah, there's a lot of familiarity with the characters yeah. that he creates, but you know that they're not. Like, the Hangman is the Phantom Stranger and or the Spectre or whatever. Yes. But it's not that. It's like, here, we're going to take the trope that's from Marvel or DC, the big characters you know and love. We're gonna, you're going to know who I'm, who I'm saying this is, is yes. the best way I can put it. And, you know, there's like a Fantastic Four analog. There's a Doctor Doom analog. And because it exists in its own universe, Kurt Busiek can mix and match. He could do like, well, I want this air as Superman to interact with that air as Spider-Man. And I want my Fantastic Four to be made of a Kirby thing, but a modern Sue Storm, but a teenage Johnny Storm and a much older Reed Richards. And I could mix all that together and I could do my own thing. So this felt so comfortable and good coming back to. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I don't want to give away too many spoilers of this. I just kind of want to give everyone the beats of this, but we get a lot of back material that kind of explains like where and what Kurt Busiek has been up to for the last three and a half, four years with this book and with the ideas and everything else like that. 
I forgot that it was going to be like a series of graphic novels. Yes, that was as soon as I read it, I was like, wasn't this supposed to be like individual graphic novels? Yep. And it was like, and that kind of like the contracts were like, were weird at that time. And they was like, hold off. But you probably remember more than I do on that because I read the backs. But uh. right. And there's stuff about like TV shows and all this other stuff. And with the rights going from DC back to Image. Um, now we're two months in since this book has come out and we don't have a solicitation for anything new after this, but I would guess by the end of the year, we would probably have a new ongoing with this, right? I would guess so, because I guess like they talked about with the hardcover that they kind of started the, the, the individual trade or hardcover and they got told to stop. So maybe it was like, oh, do we do that in six? Like they have to like either write a whole thing from scratch and or piece use pieces of what they made. So I could see if they did. And that was my only problem with the overall issue was that it was a one shot that didn't feel like a one shot. It felt like a one of an ongoing series. So when it was done, I'm like you, I'm like, Whoa, we still don't have a, a solicitation for this. Like, yes, it's a special, but it definitely felt like the beginning of a new ongoing series that I think would be more would be more helpful if there was an issue after it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, like if this was ready to go next month, if this was like to be continued in Astro City number one this May or something. Right, or even like two months out or, or, or whatever. But with nothing on the horizon, I think maybe it'll get like, f- not forgotten, but you know what I mean? Like it's not current, if that makes any sense. And you have to yeah, do this Yeah, they need ag- to strike a little bit more while the iron is hot on this one. Exactly. Like, do it again while it's every in everybody's consciousness. So. Yeah. But it was still good. If you never read it before and you're a fan of, like, Teen Titans stories from the 60s and 70s, mm-hmm. I think you'll really enjoy this. It's a more modern take on it. If you, like me, have missed Astro City in the last three and a half years, welcome back. Right. I'm going to say one last thing. Like, how great is Kurt Busiek at making up brand new characters' names? Yes. Like, like you, I could just imagine like Marvel and DC, like just grumbling under their breath. Like all these characters could have been amazing characters at Marvel or DC. And it's like, and Kirby is like, nope, Mayan. <laughs> He's got too many ideas swimming around in his head. Yep. In a good way. Yes. Uh, so that's what we read last week. Let's get into what we're looking forward to coming out this week. Uh, If you head over to longboxheroes.com every Tuesday at noon Eastern time, we put up the poll post, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week, whether you get your books mailed to you, pick them up at the store, trades, hardcover, digital, however did you get your books, be forewarned, be forearmed, know what's coming out this week. Todd and I attempt to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week. Todd is in the lead commandingly with five correct guesses over me. But uh, never give up, never surrender. Mm-hmm. Um, so I go first because I started yes. the 600 issue. I'm looking over your list because it's a five-week, uh, five-Wednesday month. Our lists are very short each week. Um, is the book you're looking forward to most One Star Squadron number five? It is One Star Squadron number five. And I'm going to guess that's also your book as well. Yes, it is. Uh, the penultimate issue of that book i think we got one more after that and then it's all wrapped up one more yes so you know hopefully like a couple other um mark russell projects that this one gets picked up and we get to see more of this one because i really enjoyed this one Mm -hmm. 
Um, we we did have Superman show up once, but anything with a Mark Russell book, I need a little bit more Superman uh, to really hammer home that he should be doing an ongoing Superman book. Oh, you know what I forgot to send you in the news? We had so much news. Did you see that Mark Russell announced a three or four issue miniseries with uh, with uh, with Allred doing Superman? No, I did not. Yes. Um, what's uh, Allred's full name? Michael uh, Dalton Allred? Yes, Michael Dalton Allred. Right. It's going to be a like a, like maybe Silver Agey Superman kind of a deal, but it is a three or four issue mini with the two of them doing it. So I'm looking forward to that. He announced it today be, on Twitter. You need to be more on top of these things to let me know. And Listen, as I look, I see he's uh put his uh he put his uh, header as some art from it there. Uh so Superman's Space Ace is what mm-hmm. it's called. Right. I got to be more on top of the thing. The guy who brought all three stories to the show this week. Because <laughs> my email started at, Todd, I can't find any news. What are we going to do? And I'm like, here's three stories. <laughs> and I'm getting, I didn't find the fourth. That's the grief I can show. Yes. Uh, three issue miniseries. Uh, coming in July. Yay. There you go. You asked and you received. All right. A news break in the middle of the regular show. All right. Look at that. See, I was, I was planning that. So it, it, it looked good. Right. Exactly. Uh, so while you're over at logboxheroes.com, be sure to check out all the other stuff that Todd and I have done together, whether it be past episodes of this show, past episodes of Longbox Heroes After Dark, or the current slotted in part for... Uh, Todd and Joe have issues, which is the silver standard. As we attempt to determine who has the second best rogues gallery in all of comics. Uh, obviously, the Flash has number one. Todd thinks Batman has number two. I think Spider-Man has number two. We allow you, the listeners, to vote uh, to decide uh, who moves on in this big giant tournament that we have together. Um, sadly, and I say sadly for me, uh, the answer did not answer the call. He has been eliminated, and moving on to the next round is going to be the bouncer. That's right. He bounced the answer right out of the turn, he joke. Mm. Uh, so we have our next matchup here ready to go. And uh, Todd, if you'll allow me to go first, since I'm well, well behind in all of this. Right, you're behind the eight ball. I'll let you go, because I don't have much with my guy, but go ahead. Oh, I got a lot, Todd. Mm-hmm. I did a lot of research on this. Okay. So, uh, my villain is the ringer, Todd. No, no, Todd. It's not the ringer who's been more recently in Spider-Man comics in the last year or two, where he's a not named person who's hanging out in the weird floating casino that was going around. Okay. No, no, it's not the second ringer, Todd. Keith Craft who was in Acts of Vengeance, teaming up with Coach Whip from the Serpent Society. No relation to Wild Whip, I looked. <laughs> you beat me to it. Go ahead. And and they they their plan was to attack Moon Knight, which ties into, of course, the TV show that we discussed. No, Todd, I'm going to be st- discussing the original ringer. Uh, Anthony Davis, who was a former NASA scientist turned professional criminal, as you do. And his uh, turn to villainy was based upon jealousy that he had for Kyle Richmond. Do you know who Kyle Richmond is? 
No, I don't. Kyle Richmond is Nighthawk. Ooh. So, as you do in the 60s and 70s in a Marvel comic book, if you are a street-level villain and you want to go up to the next step, you go to the Tinkerer. And he makes you an outfit or a weapon or a something. Uh, Anthony Davis's deal was rings. And not unlike a green arrow type who has a bunch of different arrows that do a bunch of different things, the ringer had rings that would do a bunch of different things. He had freeze rings, flame rings, rings that would bind, rings that would do all sorts of things. None of that mattered, Todd, because in his first outing as the ringer, attempting to break into Kyle Richmond's home, Kyle Richmond beat the snot out of him, specifically noted in the book, broke his teeth, and the prison dentist had to rebuild his jaw. Out of rings. Not out of rings. So, after serving his time for being the ringer, uh, Anthony Davis decides, I'm done with the life of crime. Uh, I'm going to sell my armor back to the back to the tinkerer. But as he does, the police have put a raid on the tinkerer. And it's at this point, the beetle is there. Who's one of my, who's a secret, great Spider-Man villain, by the way. But mm-hmm. he's, he's been, he spent too much time recently as a baby face. So he couldn't be included and right. he's good. So he couldn't be on this list either because he was able to trick the ringer into helping him fight Spider-Man and then he would help him escape. But sadly, the Beatle pulled a ruse on poor Anthony Davis, getting him, uh, disabling all the rings that he had. So none of them worked on Spider-Man. Oh no. So again, Anthony Davis attempts, he's going to give up his life of crime. And obviously all the crime in the Marvel universe happens in New York. So he moves out to the Midwest That is until, Todd, he gets a message from Firebrand to meet up with his old crew. Not that he had a crew, but again, I'm not going to let the facts get in the way of a good story. Mm -hmm. uh, To go meet up with him at the bar with no name. Right. And while there, it's yet another ruse. And Scourge is the one who lured them all there. And Scourge kills Firebrand, Ringer, and countless other low-end villains. This wasn't the time the Punisher blew up the bar with no name, right? That's another time? This is a different time. Okay. And you would think, Todd, that this sad villain who failed and failed miserably and did everything that he could to get out of villainy would be done, but no, Todd, his story's not over. Because he had a wife. His wife, Leela Davis, blamed Spider-Man wrongfully and the Beatle, rightfully, for uh, <laughs> Anthony's death. So she decided to become a villain-ass of her own alongside the Sinister Syndicate. That's like if you're not good enough to get in the Sinister Six, you get in the Sinister Syndicate, and you do good there. Maybe Dr. Octopus will let you in the Sinister Six. So her supervillain name was Hard Shell. How she didn't make it onto my list, I'll never know. But while attempting to battle Spider-Man and the Beatle, it turns out that Anthony was not killed at the bar with no name. He was just badly injured. AIM came and saved him and countless other low-end villains in attempt to figure out how their tech worked, turned 
Anthony Davis from The Ringer into a cyborg man named Strikeback, who oh, lived a horribly tortured life until he was killed by Stegron the Dinosaur Man. So now is he is he he's just the ringer on your list, right? He's just the ringer on my list because that's who he started as. But my thing about it is, is Anthony Davis was a sad sack of a supervillain if there ever was one. He went on one mission, got his teeth knocked out, and did everything that he could to stop being a villain, and foolishly was pulled back into villainy not once, twice, three times after he was dead, AIM turned him into a cyborg to mm. try to make him a villain again. No matter how hard he'd try, he failed down. But he continued to fail. Instead of being failing and done, he was just the... I would say to what I've done my research on in these last 14 weeks we've been doing this, he is the biggest failure. He should have been my number one. That's interesting. And every time you say Anthony Davis, yes. I keep I keep thinking about the basketball player, a.k.a. AD, a.k.a. The Brow, a.k.a. Street Clothes. So I just... I, that's the only thing I can think of. But... That, that's a, that's a pretty, you know, I don't know. He's an okay villain, this ringer, I think. I think he's all right. All right, how about you? Who do you got for us this week? Okay, I have a villain who only made pretty much two appearances, and then he was in Salvation Run. You remember when they shunted all the villains a la uh, Planet Hulk into space? Um, it was like, hey, we're going to send all these villains off into uh, on this other planet instead of jail. And they're like, hey, let's throw a few villains in that we need to, like, extend the, the trademark, a.k.a. copyright on it. So <laughs> he, like, walks through a panel. But otherwise, um, it's Sterling Silversmith. That's right. His name is Silversmith, Joe. And because of that name, maybe he even says he's not sure. Maybe because of that name, he's grown up with an infatuation with silver. Maybe the third most precious metal on the planet. I don't know. But uh, he has like a couple of silver gimmicks. Like one, he drives a silver Rolls Royce. Two, he has actual cards made out of silver. And three, like if he's going to poison you, he uses mercury because it's better known as Quicksilver. I'm like, okay, you got a gimmick. But his plan was he had amassed the biggest amount of silver in the world. He was owned the most silver through legal means, I add. He had an antique business. So he acquired all this silver because he was enamored with it. So he's pretty much just a low-rent gold member. Um, and he decided, well, the gold standard that America was run on at the time is going to, the bottom is going to fall out on it. So I'm going to be the richest man in the world with silver. I'll have the most power because I'll have all the silver. You have all the silver. You have all the power. And he's like, so my plan is not to wait it out in America and be the, you know, the richest man in America. He's illegally smuggling his silver to Europe. For no reason they mentioned in the story other than he's just, it's like, Hey, all this legal stuff's going on. Now I'm going to illegally smuggle it to uh, Europe and I'm going to be a baron over there. I'm going to be the silver baron. And they're like, no, 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 you've, you, you know, you've done something illegal. And he killed a bunch of people to hide it and they come and arrest him. That was his plan, a plan he did not have to do. He just had to wait it out if it was ever going to happen. That, and he dresses like a low rent Colonel Sanders. <laughs> That's the other thing. So I don't know when your gimmick is, Hey, I really like the third most precious metal. Like, uh, 
really? That's that's your gimmick? Whatever. Silversmith for the win here, I think. I would give you the tip if instead of him being a low-rent knockoff Colonel Sanders, he <laughs> was Dutch. Oh. And then we could have a lawsuit on our hands with the Michael Myers estate. Right. Um, but other than that, he 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 essentially did uh, uh, was it uh, uh, Kevin Spacey Lex Luthor's uh, land uh, scheme from Superman <laughs> Returns, mm-hmm. but with silk. Yep. Eh, I don't know. He, he seems he seems he seems well intentioned, but harmless. <laughs> <laughs> right but he and the thing was he ended up like in it like not so much harmless because the way they found him was somebody dropped a statue going to europe which was smelted in silver and when it opened there was a dead body in it that it was his brother because his brother was going to the cops to rat him out so he wasn't harmless he was just murdering his brother because he i, I don't know not very harmless but um i just I just think he's fascinating. I think Silversmith is a a wonderfully lame villain, Joe. That's all I got. Well, the poll will go up for you, the listeners, to determine who is worse. Hang on. Sterling Silversmith, which is a fantastic name, or The Ringer, named after uh, WrestleMania superstar Johnny Knoxville's film that also starred Terry Funk as well, by the way. Oh, wasn't he the guy the ghost beat up in that bar movie? About a house on a road. Oh, okay. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> right. I always call Swayze uh, the ghost. The ghost. Because oh he was goodness. in the movie about being the ghost. He was being... <laughs> Who had the titular line in that film? <laughs> They're like, hey, is that the ghost? <laughs> no, the movie's not called The Ghost. It's just called Ghost. Anyway. Oh, anyway. Your wife hates that movie, but go on. While you're at uh, longboxheroes.com, of course, be sure to check out our store. Where we got shirts and pins and stickers of our fancy logo on them. I got them sitting here in the office ready to ship out to you. Uh, if you want more designs inspired by this show, After Dark, uh, Final Wrestling Place, Add Oz with Wrestling, Hit My Music, you can head over to our T Public store, tinyurl.com slash longboxheroes. You can get those designs and everything from cell phone covers to notebooks to everything in between. Uh, you can also support us by signing up for our Patreon, patreon.com slash longboxheroes. A dollar a month gets you two extra shows monthly from Todd and I. Uh, one is the uh, movie show this mo- this year, looking at the films of independent filmmaker Mark Pirro. Uh, also previewing the past, which we're going to be recording the April 1992 episode this week. We're looking at 30 years ago this month's previews catalog, and we put the full scans of those preview catalogs up there. So even if you just want to look through nostalgic purposes and look at all that stuff that was being offered in 1992, we're on the cusp. We just got our first inkling back in March, and I'm sure it's going to ramp up over the next couple months of Batman Returns merchandise. Mm -hmm. Image Comics is about to debut. Mm-hmm. It's gonna. It's this is the time in comic books when people talk about like the bubble, the biggest period in comics. This is it. We're on the cusp of it. A buck yep. a month gets you all that. Five dollars a month gets you those shows two weeks before everyone else, and it gets you after dark two days before everyone else. So you can listen to these shows in the correct listening order. And of course, you could also help us out by making any and all of your purchases through our Amazon click through at the top of the page. Does not cost you anything extra. 
They, Amazon, call it an advertising fee. I call it the thing that makes Todd happy at the end of the month when he gets his cut of the money. Yeah. Some of the notable purchases to the Amazon click-through this past week include... uh, Somebody purchased, uh, again, Torani Pure Made Dark Chocolate Sauce for 16 and a half ounce bottles. Ooh, that's a lot of sauce. That's a lot of sauce. Uh, Somebody also purchased... Uh, Dubell men's tie set, uh, solid paisley necktie, pocket squares, cufflinks, formal silk, lots of keywords in there, but I think it's just a tie. I don't know. I think the kingpin bin bought that, Joe. <laughs> he bought a, a gemerald on the uh, end of his staff that he uses to mind control people. Right. Uh, somebody also purchased School of Rock, the classic illustrated storybook. I'm not sure if you're aware of this, Todd, but they've taken a lot of movies from the 90s and 2000s and turned them into children's books. As they should. And this is the Jack Black film School of Rock made into a children's book. I hope your child enjoys that. I remember that being a light and fun movie that I watched some 20 years ago. Right. I'm waiting for Dog Soldiers, the children's book. <laughs> I don't think that's coming anytime soon. Mm-hmm. And the other thing, you know, we don't do the digital sales notifications anymore because the merger between the official merger between Amazon and Comixology went through and it kind of made that search functionality a bit of a mess. But uh, now you can and should be purchasing any and all of your digital comic books through our Amazon click through. Uh, That is, if they haven't fixed the subscription link yet. Uh, somebody purchased this past week the most recent issues of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles from IDW and Amazing Spider-Man, which is the big wrap-up uh, to the current Ben Riley clone saga stuff with the Beyond Corporation, uh, the Sisters of the Dragon, all these crazy people are involved in it. Don't don't run all those words together at the same time. It, 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 it makes me freak out. The, don't use the clone saga as, all a, right. as, a, as a phrase. Ugh. <laughs> So, Todd, did we have any art attacks this week? We did from Astro Zombie. He's uh, original art I picked up in 2000. Bad Rock and Company number one, drawn by, drawn by Todd Knock with a half-page splash of Dale Keown's pit. He, I really need to get this framed. And I'm like, yeah, you do. That is a really nice piece. And I like when anybody, uh, you know, shows the piece with the uh, actual comic page. You know what I mean? Yep. To show you what it looks like, you know, in there. And this one has the actual word balloons like they used to back in the day, which I miss because it's all digitally put in. But uh, that's a really nice piece. Yep. And again, I, I like that he did like you got your full page thing and then you got like the top half of the page, the bottom half of the page and then the finished project product as it was published. And uh, yeah, definitely get that frame. That is a beautiful uh, piece and I do like while there is a battle going on one of the sound effects is Sucka I think he's going to get him Sucka yes <laughs> so thank you very much for sharing that with us uh, if you've purchased something recently um, if you've gotten something commissioned or you yourself are a burgeoning artist of course be sure to tag Todd's Art Attack in that and we'll be sure to share it with the rest of the world yes sir Uh, Now, before we get into a movie and TV review, uh, I do want to just mention uh, here, probably within the next week or two, this doesn't happen very often, uh, but we might be having a guest on the show. Yeah. An actual legitimate comic book creator. 
uh, and is a comic book creator that we've mentioned many, many a times on the show. And uh, this is one of those times when an opportunity arises. And if we can line everything up, we're absolutely going to do it because it's uh, someone that Todd and I, as mentioned, are both big fans of. And uh, yeah, so uh, again, it doesn't happen very often, but within the next week or two, be ready. Uh, it might be part of the main episode. It might be its own separate episode, but whatever it is, just be on the lookout, be ready for it. Don't want to give too, too much away, but you know, you can probably figure it out. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is the part of the show. We typically save spoilery talk stuff uh, for the end of the show. Uh, Todd and I, unfortunately, with our busy schedules of watching professional wrestling, uh, <laughs> Did not get a chance to go see the new hit film Morbius in theaters this week. Right. That movie hit theaters, so technically it's a hit movie. Right. But my friend Young Ed of Pod Van Dam, a regular guest on uh, IWTV Guide, who I think the last movie he saw in the theaters was Teen Titans Go to the Movies, (laughs) decided I'm going to leave my house to go see Morbius. Uh, so I said, well, I'm not going to see it. I go, but if you can call in, because we have a voicemail line, uh, you know, it's mostly for the wrestling show, but if you want to call in and say it's for the comic book show, 570-846-0897, uh, because this is the clean show, I will listen to it in advance. <laughs> right. Uh, so let's, let's hear what Ed had to say uh, about Morbius. Hey, Joe and Todd, it's Ed, uh here for my first appearance on Longbox Heroes, and I'm going to tell you all about Morbius. It's going to be a little spoilery, so I hope you don't mind, but I will keep it clean. Um, He doesn't. I don't think it was that bad. (laughs) It wasn't, I don't think it's, but, I mean, I don't watch superhero movies, so maybe that's part of it. Um, The camera's really shaky during cards. Um, Everything they for like, Things you'll they'll say things right and you'll, it'll click instantly with you like okay well that's foreshadowing something uh, that I need to remember for the end. I don't know if that's normal with superhero movies, but I I mean I don't watch them and I knew right away that they mentioned certain things. So I was like okay well I'll just remember that because the way that they just said it it was very forthright that this is the thing you should remember. Uh, Morbius doesn't suck anybody's blood out with his hands. He uses his teeth like a real uh, vampire. <laughs> Um, I don't, I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't think it was terrible. It it wasn't the worst Marvel movie I've ever seen. That was, it's, Iron Man 3 is still worse. Um, popcorn's expensive at movies. I found that out and I bought some just because I feel like that's what you do in movies, but I don't even really like popcorn. Um, I don't know. I think I think you should go see it. I think it's interesting. Oh, Tyrese is in it, and I didn't know that. And that was a really nice surprise. Um, they basically say that Morbius goes into fugue states, and that made me think of my friend Mark. He bought a Daily Bugle. I really liked that. Um, the the bad guy in it is like a giant incel. <laughs> like you can tell, like by the way he like tells like. Uh, Michael Morbius, like, that, they'll be falling in love. It's like, what? Okay, well, that's good to remember. And also, there's a postcard sequence, and I don't know what it is, because I was getting up to leave when the credits were happening, and the guy was nice. He's like, no, no, there's a postcard sequence. I think they're going to, you know, open the multiverse. And I said, oh, that's cool, dude. But I don't know what the f- that means. <laughs> so I just kept walking, and I left, and I, you know, went home. 
I don't know. Like I said, I thought I heard worst Marvel movie. Definitely not. Iron Man 3 is for sure worse than this. But, uh, I mean, it's an hour 44 minutes. I'll check it out. Doesn't hurt. I don't know. It was alright. It was okay. Okay, bye. Alright, well, thank you, Ed, uh, for your analysis of this movie that Todd and I will never see. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we had to, you know, in the interest of fairness, let's get these reviews and you know, I know uh, Ed said he enjoyed it. You can follow Ed on social media at Pod Van Dam. Uh, he's consolidated down to just one Twitter instead huh. of four. Right. Um, and I know uh, other listener of the show, friend of the show, Matt Fish saw it and he really enjoyed it. So I don't know. I think people might be giving this movie a hard time. Maybe our standards are a little bit too high. Um, you know. Okay. Before we go on, a couple quick questions. All right. Um, uh, I don't know why Ed didn't take uh, it didn't take a uh, you know a chicken plank meal in when he went if popcorn is <laughs> real expensive. Well, he's not like a professional. A, he's not a, he's not a movie going professional. Now, and is Ed the anti ACDC guy? Um, yes. All right. No, you know what? I can't. His his opinions mean not to me so i don't know what to do here because you know i'm conflicted um i'm you know i'm okay with him you know calling into the show as long as there's no anti acdc you know stuff but i don't i don't know what to take on his opinion so i i i don't know if i should see the movie now joe i was gonna with his opinion but we'll see you were gonna go see it oh yeah he totally sold me on it Oh my God. When he told me there was an incel, I was like, I need to see that. And then actual blood sucking, not, you know, hand using for sucking blood. I was like, Oh, Oh my God. I'm in, I'm in. But that was from the cartoons. Right. I remember. Uh, He couldn't actually bite people. So he had tentacles that would come out of his hands that he would suck the blood with. Hey everybody. Duke's okay. (laughs) Did you watch the Spider-Man cartoon? Off and on, I wasn't like you know married to it. So, did you ever see the episode The Punisher was in? I vaguely remember. I think I I was so disgusted I blocked it out. So the Punisher makes a bet, or Microchip makes a bet with the Punisher that on this adventure he won't kill anyone. Right. <laughs> so he uses guns that like put like bubbles around people. Oh my god, <laughs> it's real bad. <laughs> greatest Punisher story ever. And it's so funny because uh, when Asa was a baby, and I don't even know if it's still on because they just pump out like new, um, like superhero themed cartoons. But there was one that was called like superhero squad. Right. Where all the superheroes were like super deformed and like, you know, they, they looked like little kids, you know? Mm-hmm. And you had like your main Avengers that were in the movies, but you also had like Spider-Man and Wolverine. Right. Mm-hmm. And then every once in a while, there'd be guest stars or whatever it was. Right. And there was an episode where uh, the Punisher was on. And I can't remember the guy who played Punisher in Punisher Warzone, but they got him to do the voice. And he just straight up played that character from Punisher Warzone. Well, like everyone else is like, we're all babies having an adventure. Was it Thomas Jane? No, no, it was the guy who was in Punisher Warzone, not pun- not the Punisher. Right, I'm 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 just saying because I get them confused. You know what I mean? No, like, I, uh, I can't think of the actor's name right now. Uh, I know uh, the I uh, what's uh, I'm looking it up right now because you have me kill you. Was it uh, Ray Stevenson? Yes. 
There you go. So he's like delivering like these heartfelt soliloquy monologues and the pain that he feels for the loss of his family. And then the Hulk's like, I need a sandwich, you know? (laughs) It was really funny. Uh, See, these are the things we should be watching, Joe. Right. Maybe next year for uh, Todd and Joe have issues. We watch the entirety of Superhero Squad. Or we watch any bad, truly bad episode of a cartoon. Yeah. You know what I mean? We'll have to do a lot of those original, like, where there was barely animation, the old Marvel ones from the 60s, where, like, they kind of just, like, waved a hand, and that was about it. Right. Anyway. All right, Moon Knight. Moon Knight debuted, premiered, uh, first episode on Disney Plus this past week, uh, starring Oscar Isaacs as the titular Moon Knight. Um, So... Uh, I so I I did my best to avoid spoilers on this because of course I did not watch it immediately when it came out, and I think my social media whatever has done a good job to figure out how to talk about shows and not be super spoilery, right? Um, so I I guess you know we can kind of get into the discussions about the the episode, but my biggest things about this was and I liked it right it was it was good. Um, but I feel this benefits from not a lot of people knowing who or what Moon Knight is. I would wholeheartedly agree. So they can kind of play fast and loose with whatever the, uh, the origins and the adventure and the everything else is. Um, but also because the character lends itself, if you actually do know the character, the character lends itself to have a kind of schizophrenic origin story. Right. Just really quick, I get what you're saying, because it's like, hey, it lends it to it because if you don't know who he is, you don't care about any changes that they made. Yes. And if you're a huge Moon Knight fan, you're just happy he's got a TV show. Yes. And I, I mean that in the sincerest way. It's like, oh, cool. All right. Yeah, they did change some things, but never in my life did I ever think I would be watching Moon Knight on TV. So, right. It works both ways. And that being said... I really think this could have benefited of them debuting it with like two or even three episodes. I'm legitimately shocked that they didn't. Yeah. But all of them, I think this is the shortest that I can think of. This is only six episodes. Oh, okay. So like you burn off two or three and it's like, ah, here's three weeks and we're done. Yeah. Because didn't they do that with Hawkeye? They did two episodes the first week. I know they definitely did it with WandaVision because they wanted to get to color. Mm Mm-hmm. That was like the one that they were like, definitely. I, I, You know what? Now that I think of it, I don't think it was Hawkeye. I think it was just WandaVision. But, you know, if somebody corrects me, I wouldn't be surprised. Right. So we get Oscar Isaac's character, uh, which is Steven. Steven Grant, I think his name is. I believe so. He's, I know it's he, definitely Steven. He's in Britain. He works at the low end of a museum. He knows a lot of stuff specifically about Egyptian stuff, and they really hammer that in. But he essentially just works in the gift shop. Um, we see that he can't drive. We see that he chains himself to his bed at night. Uh, and we're not given a lot of information as to why, but we are also given information that he may seem to be forgetful. Mm-hmm. Uh, like maybe he makes plans with people and forgets that he made plans with them. Maybe he mixes up the days that these things were supposed to happen on. But the reason for this is, as knowing Moon Knight 
and I think they do as good as a job because you don't want to like give it all away in the first episode is there's more than just one person inside of his head. Right. So the other person that's inside of his head is Mark Spector, the Moon Knight, who goes on all these crazy fanciful adventures while uh, Stephen Grant is sleeping or distracted or going into a fugue state, not unlike Morbius <laughs> or Ed's friend Mark. Right. Um, again, wearing white while that happens might be an issue, but the show, the direction of them trying to convey that to us, the audience, I think was really well done. It added like this frenetic pace that we were alongside of our lead character that we didn't know what was going on, but not in a way of like, this is confusing, but more in a way of, okay, there's something bigger here. We, the audience are going to find out what's going on or why this is happening or who this is happening and all this other stuff along with our main character. Yes, I, I I took it as it. We were watching a movie with scenes cut out of it, and it worked really well because he'd wake up and he'd be like, "Well, what happened to get me from the last point that we had to here?" Blah blah blah. And I was like, "Yes, I wasn't confused. It was it was easy to follow." And the thing that I really like about it is, I'm really hoping down the line is now we get to see all of the adventures from Mark Spector's point of view. And we, we do those cuts again, if that makes any sense. Right. Where he, where he loses two days completely, where he finds the phone, the fish uh, in like the hidden panel in his house, in his apartment, whatever it is. Like when he's driving the truck and it's like, Oh, okay. Now I'm driving. And now all of a sudden I'm, you know, I was driving, I blackout and now I'm driving backwards. It's yeah. like, okay, we're going to, we're going to see all of it from Mark Spector's point of view with all the Steven stuff cut out. And I'm like, that's an interest. If they do it, an interesting take, you know what I mean? And that's why I think we could, they could have did us with two episodes right up front that we get this first episode that leads us up to the reveal of Conchu, uh, confronting Steven Grant. And then we get our second episode, which is essentially the first episode, but from Mark Spector's point of view. Right. And if we, I think if we got those two back to back, instead of having to wait a week to get them, and we don't even know if that's going to be what episode two is going to be, but right. I agree with you that we have to get that, right? Right, whether it's episode three, four, or five, whatever, you know? Yeah. Um, and I'm with you, and I did look it up. Hawkeye was six episodes also, and they did drop the first two episodes the same week. Yeah. So I don't know why they couldn't have done it with Moon Knight. And one would assume that it has to do the scheduling thing, but Obi-Wan doesn't start until the end of May, so who knows? Right, and they, cause, and they even pushed that back before this started, you know what I mean? So, yeah. Anyway. Now, and I will say this, and you know, obviously I'm not as steeped in Moonlight lore. I know that they did change his origin from being bit by a radioactive moon, which has been well established over the last 600 episodes of this show. <laughs> right. Um, The villain in this... Uh, Arthur Harrow, who just kind of looks like the role that a David Carradine would play if he was still alive. Right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you won that feud. I did win that feud. Um, where he just seems to be like a vague guy that has like a vague control over a bunch of people. He has this tattoo that could judge people if they've been good uh, or will be good or bad or will be bad in their lives. And he's being treated as a messiah about these people. And like I said, I don't know if he's someone who's like wholly created from the sh- for the show. I'm going to guess that he's not. But 
he doesn't feel as though he's enough of a threat right. that we would need the type of power that Moon Knight can and does and will wield. I'll say this. I know he's definitely a character from the Marvel Universe, but I don't know anything about him. Um, like, I don't know what the character is, blah, blah, blah. But uh, I, I kind of get get what you're saying. But if you have an army of cannon fodder, then that works. You know what I mean? Like, sure. to, to keep to to keep Moon Knight at bay. But I get I get what you're saying. And that and like he wears sandals full of glass. That's another thing that I don't understand yet. So we'll see. Right. So, I, you know, obviously, I think that's part that that's going to tie in a little bit to where Steven is setting up all these things where like the tape is on the door. The, the painter's tape is on the door. Um, he's being shackled to the bed and all these other things to prevent himself from going out. Whereas the glass in the shoes is something that's keeping whatever's inside of him. Another Moon Knight like presence. Under wraps. Okay, that's a good theory. I don't know. Yeah. Where, but uh, but again, it's good to come into um, a Marvel character like this where you and I are not very steeped in everything that the character is and does. Uh, yes, I agree, because I have no expectations for this this show. Yeah. None. Like, I don't, I'm like, you don't have to hit any of these beats. You know what I mean? Like when it comes to Kate Bishop, it's like, oh, you kind of have to hit this about her character. You have to do that or Hawkeye, especially since he was in the Marvel movies or WandaVision. It's like, okay, this, they're taking these from these storylines. Like I've, I've read three issues of Moon Knight in my entire life. So like I have nothing to base anything they're doing on. So I'm going in with the average non-Marvel fan. I'm like, do what you want and surprise me. I don't expect you to do that famous scene from Moon Knight because I don't know what it is. Right. And I've read a bunch of Moon Knight, but the majority of the Moon Knight that I read was like Warren Ellis detective stuff, which I know just from some teaser images and stuff. Uh, that have come out from the show that we are going to get at some time, but mm -hmm. we haven't gotten yet, you know, I, and most of what I know about Moon Knight is just the look of the character as opposed to anything that it does or has did. I I, I totally agree. I, I get you. And I will say this because he's having his delusions, uh, Stephen, the bit where he's leaving his apartment, he gets in the elevator and he gets chased by the Conchu. Uh, character like the the god and then the doors in the elevator shut and opens up and it's an old woman um for a second you get to see I, I marked out that because that i do know the visual and that's like a like a, i know it's disney and they're known for great effects but they've done some sketchy stuff like the uh the vesperados chase in in book of boba fett was uh, but that thing of him like he looked perfect that's the the I'm going on way too long to say this. He looked amazing, and it scared the heck out of me. Like, yeah, they so nailed creepy. it. It didn't look too overtly CG'd, even though it was very much CG'd. Mm -hmm. But it's not a human or something that we know what it looks like, so that helps. You know what I mean? Right. And and I'll say that like the thing I like about the Marvel shows is that they all have their different feels. And we said this before. WandaVision is what it was. 
your uh, Hawkeye was your Christmas story. Your uh, Captain America, Falcon, Winter Soldier thing was, hey, you like the, the Captain America movies? We're going to give you that espionage kind of feel thing. This, to me, is your horror, as it should be, the horror books that Moon Knight spun out of everything. Like, when the monsters are chasing Steven through the, the, the museum, I'm like... This is legitimately creepy and scary without being like, oh, a child's going to be terrified or me who somebody doesn't like horror is like, oh, that's gross or whatever. It's just him trying to get away from the monster. You can't see it. And it's where is it and everything. I'm like, ooh, a a Marvel horror show. Uh, Yet yet again, something completely different, if that makes any sense. Right. And like I said, you know, I liked it, but, you know, I have no attachment to this character and. The plan I would assume to be is by the end of these six episodes that myself and Todd and many other people have an attachment to Moon Knight. Yeah, and I only have one theory, um, like you said, about the glass and the shoes. I don't think Steven's mother exists. Yeah, whoever that is that he's talking to. Right, I think he says it's his mother. But well, every right. time he talks to her, he he's leaving a voicemail. And the other thing is that maybe the postcards that he's get he gets from her, there was a postcard rack at the museum. So I'm wondering if like he's sending them to himself when he's not Steven, if that makes any sense. Yeah. So I was going to say, you know, obviously the, the missing time sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then what you're saying here in regards to the voicemails or the postcards or whatever, uh, we get a little bit of uh, elements of memento in there. Right. Never seen and that. a little bit of elements of uh, the horror movie that came out last year called Malignant, where, you know, there's multiple people inside the same body. Spoilers for that film. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's people having missing time and maybe being able to see the missing time and not being able to affect or stop or change the missing time. Um, but yeah, so the, like I said, a lot of horror, a lot of, more grittier stuff than we're used to seeing in a Marvel TV show. Right. Uh, but I'm here for next week, you know? I really enjoyed it. So, yeah, I'm willing to, you know, five. I don't think I'm tapping out of any Marvel stuff other than Morbius at this point, Joe. <laughs> well, again, I you know, Morbius, I think, fits into, like, the Venom movies, where I don't think either one of us have seen those. I've seen bits on TV, and it looks god-awful. <laughs> I haven't heard great things about the Venom movies. Uh, I've heard okay things about the Venom movies. There is a... So Tom Hardy stars as Venom. Right. And I think the same year that the first Venom movie came out, Tom Hardy was also in a movie called Upgrade, which is like a low-budget like horror thriller. Right. Which people who saw those two movies... We're like, why would Tom Hardy make the same movie twice in one year? Right. And I did not watch, after I saw bits and pieces of the first one, and then I saw clips of the second one with Woody Harrelson as Cletus Cassidy mm-hmm. uh, and his wig, I was like, I don't want to watch that show, for the movie for this show. Because it would just be, all right, here's the, the Venom portion of the show. I concede the floor to Joe to talk about wigs for 45 minutes. <laughs> It'd be a lean 45 minutes. Right, it'd be a short show like this one. Well, I'm okay this one. It's it's the 600th uh, episode spectacular. It should be yep. an over-jam-packed show, you know? Right, stupendous. 
Yes. Uh, so again, thank you very much. Uh, whether this is your first episode, your 15th episode, or your 600th episode, you've been with us since the very beginning. Uh, we appreciate all of you very much for listening, sharing, talking, whatever it is that you do to interact with the show. Like I said, uh, speaking for Todd, we greatly appreciate it. And uh, here's to 600 more, right? Right. So for Todd, this is Joe closing out this episode. And uh, we'll see you all here next week. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. You're listening to the soon-to-be-named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Networks.